Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation podcast. For now, a podcast that has been compared to an evening with late 90s era Woody Harrelson. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you two-legged land mermaid. How the hell are you? I'm good, man. Busy sports weekend, catching up on everything. Uh, St. Paddy's Day festivities creeping in the air. The weather's getting warmer up here. I know it's great where you are. Yeah, yeah, pretty much year round. Come summertime, it's time to bail out of this hellish place. But uh, for now, things are lovely. We have a jam-packed podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it, brother. Let's start with some quick hits. Let's start with Ernest Houseman. Are we thinking this is a good name or a bad name? I think he's immediately on the good name team. Let's start there. I think so, too, because when I say Houseman, I just imagine screaming it. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some, like, house chat or something like that at the games next year. So it's like I'm kind of with it. It's a little, like, a little long. I don't know many Ernests, so I'm kind of dubious about that. But strong second half there. Yeah, other than the Jim Varney movies stretching from 1991 to 1997, which were a seminal part of my childhood, don't have any other Ernests in my life. Hemingway, you know, certainly you and I will dabble into some of his reading. And yes, uh, at, at least the alcohol part is an inspiration for a lot of our <laughs> writing. But uh, other than that, this is this is the most important Ernest in my life right now. But he's been listed by uh, PFF as one of the top linebackers in the country. No Junior Colson. And I found that kind of interesting that people are looking at Houseman above Colson right now. I kind of like it because Colson's really fitting in this middle gap. And upon rewatch, he he gets out of position at some times, and it's over, and it's like kind of covered up with great safety play and great just secondary play in general. But there's just so much room for Colson to still grow. Like he was still just that he did more good than bad this year, and he's going to take another step. So I think playing with this guy is just going to elevate his game. Houseman's just kind of kind of a freak 
to be that good as a freshman linebacker, you just don't see it. Most of them don't get on the field, especially the game against Michigan for evidence. So I think it's just going to like a rising tide is going to lift all ships and it's going to be a good thing for Colson in the end. Yeah, I'm a little higher on Colson. I do still think he's our number one guy. Uh, we'll see if that you know remains true, but I- I'm really high on him being the primary backer. But just putting Ernest Hausman right there next to him, it's not a bad thing, certainly. So I looked at it more as like, oh, this is a little shade to Junior Colson. You're right on rewatch. There's times where you're like, oh, actually, uh, you know, that could have been stopped for a three yard gain instead of a seven yard gain. But yeah, to say that Colson did more good than bad is kind of underselling him. He was the lead. Yeah, he's guy. not Devin Gill. Yeah, <laughs> Devin Gill. Hella eyebrows on Devin Gill, though. Let's not forget very, that. Very, very strong eyebrows. Houseman kind of eyebrows. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like a good adjective. <laughs> yes. Those are some Houseman eyebrows, brother. No one's going to understand what that means. That's a, that's a cut for you and me and nobody else. Nobody else. Uh, you want to cook on hockey, man? We're getting into the dog days here. looks like we've settled in at four, despite kind of a, a shaky finish to the season. It was a little shaky this past weekend. Michigan did get the sweep over Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals. Uh, didn't look great. The first game was an absolute just disaster for a while, and they kind of just woke up and scored. You would have been furious watching it because Michigan had the game-tying goal with the goalie pulled, but Portillo wasn't off the ice, so it got waved off. So they had to keep going, and then they scored another equalizer goal to force overtime, one in the extra period, one again on Saturday. Uh, no matter what happens this coming weekend in the semifinals, it's now single elimination hockey against Ohio State. Michigan's going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, so that's all that really matters here. They could potentially move up a spot depending on how everything else shakes out, but no matter what, even with a loss, according to Pairwise, which does the rankings for the tournament, they're locked into a one seed. Also, a decent chance that your Blackhawks end up with Fantilli, something that I've been kind of keeping an eye on. That is very much in the cards right now. Red Wings loaded up on draft picks, too. So, like, they could potentially uh, stack some picks together and move up for him. I don't know if that happens a lot in hockey, but it'd be nice if he ended up on one of our pro teams. I'd enjoy that greatly. It really looks like it could be the Hawks. I, ho- I wish him better because that organization just kind of needs to be burned down, then rebuilt. Maybe we're trying to do a little bit of it right now for once. Finally got rid of move Kane to New York, but uh, it could be. Seems like Connor Bedard's locked into being the top pick and then Fantilli next. So if I got the, you know, the Fantilli jersey at the NHL level, get the Hawks red or something, it'd be pretty nice. Yeah, your jersey collection is pretty enviable right now i'm shout out live no i mean yeah yeah you've got a hell of a girlfriend there she's keeping you stocked up because i don't think you could dress yourself without her to be honest. no of course not (laughs) uh let's move to basketball speaking of things that maybe need to be burnt to the ground it's not quite that bad but two losses at illinois at indiana we're just going to talk about them both as the same thing because they essentially were uh basically like 10 other games that we've seen this season this will go down as the almost season there's no ifs ands or buts about it could still make a run in the tournament probably don't need to win the tournament but probably need to at least make it to the finals i mean you need a deep run in the tournament in order to get into march madness but at illinois lost that one in double overtime uh they blew a seven point lead and then uh, we blew a seven point lead in overtime should have won that in overtime uh that game really really annoyed me i don't like illinois they have the grossest dude ever on that team like when i heard before the game there was a guy that had caffeine poisoning from drinking five monsters i did not need to be pointed out who it was i saw that dude (laughs) meyer and i was like yeah that's the guy that's definitely the dude 
that just crawled out from under the trailer park. He looks like he smelled like a 15-year-old's gym socks, like a, a pre-pubescent, mid-pubescent boy's gym socks. Did not like him. Don't like Illinois. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on that game? Matthew Mayer is definitely a big fan of like wintergreen and Mountain Dew. Like you just already know he like he's locked into that. <laughs> it's hilarious. Said you didn't need like to know that. You knew it was him. It wasn't Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Um, yeah, that game was frustrating for several reasons. Shannon being one of them, like he should have been on Michigan this year. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe Jalen Llewellyn's the difference that pushes this team over because Michigan is 2021 Nebraska football. We're about 10 shots away from being a really good team. 2021 Nebraska football was in every game. Should have beaten Michigan. Should have beaten Ohio State, but always found a way to blow it down the stretch in the most painful way. And then again against Indiana, Hunter Dickinson played his ass off, playing the best basketball of his life. These last month, this last month, so that's been really nice to see, but it's been wasted. So uh, Michigan, I mean, they could sneak into the NCAA tournament with two wins since they played Purdue second, but I'm more on the line with you that at least three wins in the Big Ten tournament to get there. And if they get into the big, uh, the NCAA tournament, going to be full tilt. Like, we're the hottest team in the country. We're going to win it all. Just go all the way in. Of course. Yeah, we'll go full heel on this thing. I mean, we never really bailed on this team. You mentioned uh... – Terrence Shannon and Llewellyn, I can go ahead and confidently say they get us at least two of those really close wins, you know, or even one of these ones here at Illinois or at Indiana probably would have been enough to get us in. I think just having one of those guys, you remove Terrence Shannon from that Illinois game, definitely we're getting in. I mean, that's a double down right there. So extremely frustrating, hard not to look at the big three who've been playing out of control. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, Jet missed some time there, but just the the duration of the season, Jet Howard's been really solid as a freshman. That's a legitimate big three with Dickinson, Jet, and Bufkin, and it is so fun when they're all clicking at the same time. And you know, there was just some young player mistakes, especially at the end of that Indiana game. I feel really bad for Kobe trying to get the ball into Hunter Dickinson. I get oh. that he's the elder statesman; you want him to take that last shot. But that moment was yours, brother. There wasn't enough time for a pass, and you're one of those guys too. I think we would have been fine with any of those guys taking the last shot. And at Illinois, they drew up a, a pretty good uh, a look, but it was for Joey Baker, and he airballed it. So <laughs> Franz nightmares. Yeah, some Franz nightmares. So basically watch the exact same game twice and probably means it's the end of us uh, this season. Unless you want to watch the NIT tournament. I think you and I are probably going to go out and enjoy our lives rather than watch the <laughs> NIT tournament. But you know, I'll probably find find a way to talk myself into it and be like stepping stone for next year. We start building upon this, you know, string them together. A couple here go, got Rhode Island up on the docket. We can take them down. Um, now, the one thing I really enjoyed from all of this was after the game against uh, Indiana, Kobe Bufkin's distraught, just sitting there, just like staring, understands that Juwan Howard comes over. And it was kind of like a very quick cutaway. But he's over there. There's a meet like with a smile on his face, consoling him, basically letting him know you're going to have a lot more of these shots in your future at this level and the next. Like, keep your head up. And I, I like the vibes on the team right now. I really yeah. like the way they battled through together this season. And if they can bring back at least two of the three, maybe three of the three, that would be awesome. But it's like it seems like things are really going in a right direction. This team just needs about 20% more to push them over the top. Yeah, and now like all three leaving probably might be in the cards. We said that Dickinson needed to improve with his three-point shooting and his defense. Well, both have improved dramatically. That's probably, in my mind, a second-round player. Uh, Kellen Boss came on and gave a great comp, said that he could be a Luka Garza type. Well, I think he's better than Garza. He outplayed Garza every time, uh, and that was when he was like a freshman and a sophomore. So 
or no, just a freshman, I think was the only time he matched up against Garza. Garza has been in the league two years now. So I, I think Dickinson does have a place now. I've, I've shifted on that and at the next level, but coming back next year, and if you can bring back say Dickinson and Buffkin with what you've got, that's a really, really good team. So I'm with you, man, like the vibes of the team, it sucks that they're not going to get a chance to show it in the tournament. Cause there's talent there's a bit of a cohesiveness. There's just late game struggles. That's really what it's all come down to. Like they just can't buy buckets at the end of these games. And it's, it's a shame, man, but um, you know, we'll see. We're going to be plugged into the big 10 tournament and uh, you know, everything now rests on that. So good time to get hot. Uh, speaking of getting hot at the right time, DJ Turner, good Lord, son just made himself some money at the combine ran the fastest time there, the fastest time by a cornerback since 2003 with a 4.27 at the combine you to and six I were, to six, excuse me. You and I were not expecting this. Uh, neither was Mel Kuyper who said, I need to go back and rewatch the tape. He did not play that fast. That's what he, I just read that right now. And that's kind of what you and I were thinking is like, didn't seem like he was that fast. Now, granted, you're not running at a full tilt sprint. You're usually backpedaling from that or kind of shifting sideways across the field. You're not going to be in a dead on sprint with any of these guys, but that for sure is going to move him up. We knew he'd get drafted, thought maybe a day three guy, probably looking at day two now. DJ Turner is so close to being elite. All he needs to learn how to do is basically like two things on the outside. Is one, bump. Like, you can't just run. It has to be bump and run. Like, you have to get a little physical at the line of scrimmage. And two, just play with leverage so they don't keep running these fades outside of you. Like, keep them inside where your help is. So, if he can do those two things, that was his biggest mistake in Michigan. He kept just trying to run with these guys at a full tilt. But, brother, you don't know where the ball's going. Like, they got that advantage over you. you got to play with a little more technique, but athletically we've known he's had it and like you'll see it in flashes like how fast he comes up to make tackles like he flies to the ball but you never really see that breakaway speed because I mean I feel like there was a three-game stretch in the season right before Michigan State against like Iowa and Indiana he gave up at least one fade every game just right down the sideline like he would just fall and try to use his speed to catch up so if he can stop being so reliant on that speed I really do think he has a chance to succeed at the NFL and just like live up to the billing as a day two pick. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen guys that we were a little bit, uh, you know, tepid on like, yeah, I don't know about them at the next level. I think that's where we're at with DJ Turner. I don't think it would surprise either of us if he has a pro career that really expands on what we saw at Michigan, like clearly has the athletic tools came in just under six foot. That'll work as a boundary corner. You'd like to be a little taller, but we've seen Jordan Lewis still sticking around. He's shorter than that. So uh, certainly going to have his opportunity. I think DJ Turner at 4.26 is my what the hell moment of the week. Do you got anything else for what the hell is going on here? I got another one. We had the fastest and one of the strongest guys there. Mozzie Smith led all D linemen with 34 reps on the bench press. And he basically close gripped it because that's how Ben Herbert teaches it to preserve your shoulders. Yeah, he did 225 34 times. Looked like us just benching the bar. Good Lord. All right. So the combined uh, Olu, Mozzie, uh, Olu also had a hell of a combine, <laughs> and DJ Turner. That's our what the hell is going on moment for the week. And let's move on because we have got a big, big podcast. One of my favorites that we do, especially in a good movie year when you can kind of, I mean, great season, great movie year. 
that's going to make this a lot of fun. We are going to do our 2022 season and movie awards. The reason we're throwing <clears throat> movies into this, I think you and I are fairly qualified to talk about this and not going to like talk ourselves up too much here, but I think we're a really good balance between watching some stuff watching some of the films that come out and being really appreciative of their place in cinematic history. But sometimes we just want to go watch Fast and the Furious movies. We like to be entertained as well. I think we split the middle pretty well. So we're going to talk about movies. We're not going to get into the blocking of Yurgos Lanthimos movies here. We're going to talk about the stuff that everyone saw, mix that in with the, the football season awards. I think it should be a pretty fun discussion. Yeah, and we do this every year because it's a week before the Oscars. The Oscars are coming up on Sunday. You don't need to watch that to know what the best movies are. You just need to listen to this podcast. Go ahead and skip the uh, the Academy Awards. Just listen to this. We're going to tell you what you need to see. The Academy, I don't know if it's a good Academy Award year, but it's a good movie year, especially if you were digging deep and watching some of the genre pictures. Uh, if you were really looking for stuff, I think this is an excellent movie year and obviously a really good football season. So this is going to be a good award season. We're going to get into this thing right now. Uh, if there's movies that we miss, if there's plays that we miss, let us know. But, uh, you know, you're listening to us. So you think you, you at least have some trust in us and we're going to try and respect that trust. And we're going we're gonna to touch on what we really think was the best moments and the best movies of the year. You ready to get this started, brother? Let's do it, man. I'm excited. All right. We're going to start with, I think, the best category movie-wise. Uh, I don't know about the best category season-wise, but this is the Jake Moody Award for Jake. <laughs> it's literally called the Jake Moody Award for technical achievements. Same thing goes with movies. We're looking at technical achievements. You could almost rename this the like best action sequence because of some of the things that we're really going to touch on here. So for player nominees for the Jake Moody Award, wonder who's going to win this one. We've got Jake <laughs> Moody, Brad Robbins, Olu Oluwatimi, and Zach Zinter. So the reason we're going with technical achievements here, these aren't the flashy plays. These are stuff that you got to kind of dig deep and really appreciate the mechanics of the game, the nuances of the game. Jake Moody, a little bit less so because man kick ball, ball go through uprights. It's pretty simple to understand, but it is still very much a technical position. So uh, what do you think here? Is there anybody other than Jake Moody that we need to recognize here? There's some, there's some like Rod Moore or even the details of really what like Blake Quorum does as a running back, but sometimes it can be really aesthetically easy to tell. It's like, oh, Blake Quorum run through a hole really fast. That's a good thing. It's like, it gets pretty simple. I do love your Freudian slip in the doc that, uh, for, for our podcast prep that says the Jake Moody Award for Jake Moody. It's like, yeah, yeah that, that's who's going to win it. This should be the specialist award, even if it wasn't for technical prowess. Jake Moody should win this. Yeah, it's going to be Jake Moody here. Brad Robbins kind of had a bit of a down year for him. Like, I don't know what he is if he's going to the next level. Lost a lot of distance on his punts, but really accurate. So, like, if you want a guy that's not going to give up, he's not going to punt it to the return man in a dangerous spot. But I think we were expecting a little bit more on his punt average this year. Wouldn't you agree? Brad Robbins is going to manage the hell out of a Home Depot somewhere. I just know that. Like with with that mustache, like yeah, he kind of regressed as a punter. But he's a great person. He's one of the team leaders. Mikey Sanderson said he was one of the people he looked up to his entire time at Michigan. So maybe he moves into coaching, finds a real mayor. But maybe he goes through life outside of football because I don't know if the NFL is in the cards for him. But that mustache, I mean, that is an executive level mustache. 
executive level. Yeah, if I'm going into Home Depot trying to buy some carriage bolts and Jake Moody recommends something, I'm not even questioning. Or Brad Robbins, I'm just like, either yeah, one. Yeah, either one. Jake Moody just comes up like, yeah, hey, you should buy these. I'm like, sure, Jake Moody. But yeah, Brad Robbins, I think, has got a, a serious future at an Ace Hardware. But yeah, this is the Jake Moody Award here. Uh, for movie nominees, I think this is the strongest category. I really do. This was an awesome year for technical achievements. I think a lot of it is we're getting a lot of the uh, it's like there was a kink in the hose during the COVID year. So a lot of stuff like Top Gun Maverick was supposed to come out before. So we got a lot of movies that were kind of in production that came out in 2022. So let's talk about some of the nominees. We can even go a little bit more specific and pick an individual scene. So we've got Top Gun Maverick at the top of the list for good reason. Everyone saw it. I think my favorite sequence in it was the uh, the test run when uh, when Maverick had to do like to prove that that run could be done. But really pick anything that was happening within those 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 planes. And, and I'm pretty in on it. Yeah, anything in the sky, like anything up there. Like I think some of the best moments happen later on with just the emotional pulls. But for the technical achievement, if you if you have Tom Cruise involved in a movie and it's going to take place in an airplane, it's going to be crazy. If if Tom Cruise just did Gerard Butler s movies the rest of his career, those would be bangers because he'd be doing all the actual stunts. It's like Tom Cruise, you can't set yourself on fire and juggle snakes. It's like yeah, I can I'll do it right now. Call that a Tuesday. So yeah, anytime he's in a movie, a Mission Impossible, a Top Gun there's going to be just crazy technical aspects of it yeah and enjoy it while you can because he's surely going to die within the next five years doing one of these stunts like i he has to have a death wish and uh yeah the fact that they actually got these actors up into the air in those in the planes like very very impressive so uh next got everything everywhere all at once pick anything in the back two-thirds i'll take the uh everything bagel you know world collapses into a bagel but just an extremely impressive movie technically really really experimental tried some things and you and i both like when you're not afraid to try something different yeah just you know take swings be ambitious especially with original ip this movie just kind of blew me away with like different directions it went the originality of it i did tell you it kind of reminded me of uh, i think it was 2001's the one starring jet lee it's kind of got some parallels there definitely a better movie because that movie you know it sucks but it lives forever on my shelf in blu-ray so it was fun to kind of get some of that storyline back but this is one everybody should check out because i think it's got a little bit for anybody involved watching it yeah, this is a must watch, I would say. I think that this is a movie that'll be in my life for a while. I waited to see this one, just watched it the other night. Glad I purchased it. It will be rewatched for sure. Uh, next, Avatar 2. Let's go ahead and go with the uh, the whale sequence towards the end, but really any sequence. The whole thing, very technically impressive. James Cameron just still in his bag. It, it really wasn't for me. I'm not the biggest Avatar guy. Kind of reminds me of just watching a screensaver. I'm more of a plot character development guy, but if you want to just go escape for three hours and 30 minutes, however the hell long this movie was, it's great escapism. Yeah, it's beautiful to look at. Like, so if it's just going to be devoid of certain things you want from it, it's at least good at what it's trying to be good at. And that should be recognized in this. And especially like James Cameron, when it comes to technical aspects, like, come on, he puts out a movie, he's going to be nominated. Yeah, you and I are big Cameron guys, even if we don't love all of his choices and, and think he probably, I don't know if you agree with me, probably better served other than Avatar. I'd like to see him doing some other stuff, but he loves that world, man. He loves visiting Pandora. That's just what he's into right now. 
Uh, next nominee. This is one that maybe not a lot of people saw. It's on Netflix. You can go check this one out. It is uh, an Indian film. Uh, it's not a Bollywood film. It's an Indian film. It's called Triple R, R-R-R. Um, I believe it stands for Rise, Revolt, Revolution or something like that. Extremely interesting. Basically, the story of a, a, it's in like, you know, colonial times, India, and it's about an undercover guy for the British that's looking for somebody that's like a what you would call like a I guess a terrorist is what they call him but he was really just kind of a freedom fighter turns out that it's his buddy and it's these two brothers that are just on this journey together but technically the opening sequence which is the uh catch that man sequence on the bridge you're you realize within about 10 minutes what you're in for with this movie and the reason this is here is the budget is probably 150th of the budget of Top Gun Maverick and I was blown away by what I was watching. Highly recommend watching this one. It's it's long, but you can kind of break it up. It's broken up into three different pieces. And I, I, I just don't have enough good things to say about this. It really opens it up to what film can be when you take chances. The budget here is an interesting thing you bring up. I'm glad you did because it makes like these filmmakers that are given less and doing so much with it, they're going to get given more now. Like they're going to be getting like not Christopher Nolan budgets, but they're going to be getting something comparable to that now. Like getting a hundred million dollars, getting something to do this and really expand upon these ideas. So I'm interested to see where they go in the future. I believe Triple R also up for best song at the Academy Awards because it's got a lot going on. It's going to win. That's like for sure. I think it should win some other things. But so budget of 72 million. Top Gun Maverick had a budget of 170. So not 150th. I maybe exaggerated there, but like <laughs> less than half. So like very impressive with what they were able to do. Uh, moving down the list, The Northman. Uh, that's a Robert Eggers film. I think you'll probably check that one out. I don't know if you made it to that one yet, but that one's available to watch right now on streaming as well. This one, definitely the one shot sequence of the Viking raid on the village. Really incredible. If you like Robert Eggers, I think this is his most probably digestible film for the public. Like the lighthouse and, and the witch are like kind of tough watches. The Northman you can watch. You could sit down with your girlfriend. She might not be super into it, but you could watch it. It's, he does such a good job of living and inhabiting the worlds where he's filming, but that can also make it hard to get in and understand everything because it can be like the correct dialect, the old English language. It can be tough to translate and just tough to understand. Yeah, so this one's definitely a lot more accessible. Like I said, maybe not as much for the, the women, female audience out there, but the men are just going to come away loving this, just walking out flexing. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to want to go raid your own village in like Iceland after this one. Last two, Damien Chazelle's Babylon and Jordan Peele's Nope. I Babylon's the one on this I didn't quite make it to. I tried to watch every single movie that came out in 2022. It's difficult when you want to have a life and do things. So missed Babylon, but Nope, I really liked. It's my second favorite Jordan Peele movie. I'm a genre guy. I love creature films. Um, I really love this is a throwback to a I think it's a 1980s movie, an alien abduction movie called um, something in the sky, like uh, lights in the sky. I'll look it up. I'll, I'll find that in a second here. But uh, just like a really cool alien picture that had some very cool visuals in it. I like Daniel Kaluuya. So nope needed to be mentioned. I don't think it's going to win this, but a really solid, solid entry. 
Yeah, and it reminds me of old Spielberg. There's a lot of those wow moments where characters are just blown away by what they're witnessing. And you feel that as an audience. You're just sitting there kind of taken away by it. And even if, like, you know, the movie misses at certain things, like, it's very ambitious and does a lot of cool things really well. And I think Jordan Peele is just a very fun filmmaker to have. And I'm glad he's, like, working today. Yeah, we need guys like that. Fire in the Sky is the movie that I wanted to mention. Like, this, I think this was very much, um, you know, riffing on some of that, but the most scary alien abduction I've ever seen. All right, sir. So where do you want to go here? I'm going to go ahead and remove the Northman Babylon and Nope. I'm going to go ahead and also remove Avatar 2 if you're okay with that. I think this is Triple R, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun Maverick. I'm fine with all of that. Yeah, I think I'm honestly on this one, I think I'm going to go Top Gun Maverick. Because of actually placing the actors there and what they had to accomplish with practical effects as well, I think that is really technically difficult. Yeah, we definitely want to make sure Top Gun Maverick wins one of these categories. I don't know if we want to do it here in directing, if we want to award Tom Cruise later on. This is a good place. Uh, I will put in one more plug for Triple R just because it's so different coming from a place that you wouldn't normally expect, like the um, the production value. So to me, it's Top Gun Maverick or Triple R. I'm fine giving it to Top Gun Maverick here. I mean, we just haven't seen anything like that. But... Like, to be fair, really, you kind of explained what sets it apart. They put the cameras and the actors in the planes. That's kind of really it. And I'm like, not to downplay that. That's very impressive. It's awesome that they went up there. Miles Teller got jet fuel poisoning doing this. So, like, it definitely needs to be rewarded. But, like, I think there's things in everything, everywhere, all at once where I was like, I don't actually know how they did that. Like, I would need to talk to the director to figure out how did you film that. So I think there's some some really good ones here in Everything Everywhere and Triple R, which is just blew me away. But I'm fine with Top Gun Maverick here. Let's move on. Uh, next one, best play or best play call and best screenplay. So uh, we I need your help with the best play calls here. The only two that I had, or actually I only had one, Kalel Mullings halfback pass. That's what I had in there. And then the, uh, the first C.J. Johnson um touchdown to uh or excuse me the first cj touchdown again so i got you buddy i'm i'm a cook on this one i'm ready cook cook (laughs) all right so actually let's go with the second cj touchdown because that's exactly one play afterwards on a first down so ohio state you know just give up one big play got some momentum back and then michigan's like you know we're not gonna run the ball on first down another shot not just a shot a double move across the uh lathan ransom's face so let's put that one in there Yep. Uh, I, I love you have Kalel Mullings. That's such a perfect one as well. And honestly, going to be the front runner for a lot of things here because how crazy that was. Yeah. That's like <laughs> Return of the King front runner here. Exactly. Like it's, All right, but let's keep going to the other ones. Um, I want to nominate um, the touch pass touchdown to Blake Corm against Michigan State. Mm. We were unable to get into the end zone for a long time in that game. Drew up the touch pass. We hadn't seen it, haven't seen it since. Just came right back to JJ, threw it right in front of him to Corum after he'd gone out in motion, came back, took the pass, took it in the end zone. Uh, another nomination is going to be Blake Corum's touchdown run. This is kind of a nerdy technical one uh, on the duo play against Penn State because it came one play after Donovan Edwards ran a pin and pull on the outside. So now you got the whole defense thinking about that. And now you come right up the middle with a duo play. It's a completely different concept. It was beautifully executed, and just the timing of it was masterful. The next one I'm going to nominate, down by one, fourth and three, 57 seconds remaining and no timeouts. You run a pick play to the outside to Isaiah Gash for your season. Oh, yeah, that's probably the best 
competition for Kalel Mullings. That is a really good call. That's where we went back to him after he had like had the drop, right? Exactly. He had the drop on the previous possession. I believe it was on second down. So coming back to him here. And then the final nomination, I'm going to go with the flea flicker touchdown to Ronnie Bell immediately following the Mikey Sainer still interception against TCU. Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, we don't want to take away from TCU just because of how that one finished. It was still like an exciting game, a lot to be taken away. Uh, in doing this, I didn't have time to go back and rewatch this entire season. I was trying to cram for movies, so at least one of us had seen the movies. I knew you were doing your homework on the the film. Oh, part. yeah. <laughs> so this is why we're a great combination, man. Like, this is great teamwork right here. Um, I really was taken back, though, in this season just as a whole with tendencies the way that we would build 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 and then tendency breaker like that was really a staple of Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore there were several examples I like that you brought out the Blake Corum one where they were like setting up a play like that that only the nerds are really going to pick up on or like you're going to have to pick up on on your fourth rewatch so I do like stuff like that but this has got to be the Kalel Mullings halfback pass right it's it's got to be that Isaiah Gash one deserves love though like I mean no one's going to expect the ball to come back to him after a drop. And they lined him up outside. He motions in, so he gets the quarter to move over, so it's an easier pick route for Colston Loveland to double the guys. He immediately darts outside of the first down marker, makes the catch. I mean, season's on the line. He drops yeah. that or it falls short. It's over. Yeah, that's a very good point. Like, season on the line there. The game wasn't necessarily on the line with the Kalel Mullings halfback pass. Huge moment in the game. Huge moment in the game. No question about it. But we might still have pulled that out. I don't know if we pull it out without that Isaiah Gash play. In fact, I don't think we do. No, it's, I mean, 57 seconds. We have no timeout. The game's over. There's nothing left. (laughs) There's nothing left. The game is over. They kneel one time or two times. It's done. So let's give it to Isaiah Gash in the upset. An upset. I love it. I'm here for the upsets. All right. Screenplay nominees. Banshees of Inshirin. Martin McDonough. We both stand for him. A really brilliant, beautiful film with two of my favorite actors. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, It's weird because Martin McDonough, the way he writes his films, he has like an idea and then the writing continues throughout the process of filmmaking. And you can kind of pick up on that at times like, oh, this is this seems like they maybe just kind of came up with that on the spot. But the fact that it works is what really impresses me. Yeah, it just always works. So like very impressive. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You're going to hear that a lot. That movie's just excellent it's well written like it's about something that i think really speaks to like millennials or at least to me as a millennial something that i haven't seen be like the core theme of a movie yet and i was really really impressed if you haven't seen it definitely go do it the core theme is just kind of about like relating to older generations and how the millennial generation has difficulty in seeing like a path forward like a bright future and There's a lot going on, a lot going on, but really, really well written and an interesting way to tell a story like that. It's, but both of these movies you first touched on, I want to get into both of Banshees. Martin McDonough has been one of my favorite writers for a long time working with either you go back to seven psychopaths, you go into three billboards. He's in a relationship with another tremendous screenwriter, uh, Phoebe Bridge. Uh, was it? No, what's her name? Yeah. Waller Bridges. Yeah, just incredible. I love the show Fleabag. She wrote and starred in that. So just a powerhouse of a couple. And this movie, like you said, you can tell they wrote it on the fly at times because a lot of it feels fresh and new or a different direction that day. But it doesn't feel like a college film. Like this isn't somebody fresh out of NYU putting it together. Like, you know what we should add here? 
10 minutes of stoners in the circle just talking about a little thing we like to call life. There's none of that in there. So it's very well done, very well crafted. Everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. You said everything where we need to say about that movie. Just a fun, very 80s feeling kind of movie with a lot more going on beneath the surface. And it's not done in a pretentious way at all. It just kind of flows as a movie, but you can also appreciate it as a film. Yes, absolutely. Moving down the list, you've got Tar, written by Todd Fields, very accomplished screenwriter. My only beef with this is it's very similar to the movie Whiplash, um, so there's a lot of similarities there. I don't think it really broke super new ground. Kate Blanchett's excellent. Uh, Prey. Now, this was on Hulu, like not widely released. I don't think people even knew it was a Predator movie. They didn't do a lot to like tie themselves to the Predator franchise, but it's awesome. I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. You can go watch it at any time. It's a breezy watch. It's probably, in my opinion, the second best Predator movie. Yeah, it's the second best Predator movie. It's really, really good. And uh, like, I love that they went back to like a Native American tribe. That's a really cool way to do this, to go back rather than trying to push this forward. Let's see other times that humankind has interacted with the Predator. That was really good. Barbarian, I know you stand for that movie. I really enjoyed that one as well. Well written. I think this really comes down to with Barbarian, though, like you mentioned in one of our conversations off air, the casting just really mixing it up with the casting. So maybe this one should be nominated for best cast. I don't know. And then the last one I've got is the Northman kind of a simple revenge story, but they took it in some weird ways and they really Robert Eggers makes you feel like you're in that period. It's, it's well-written. I, I don't know that this one's going to win, but needed another nominee. Yeah. Uh, Tar, just skip it. Go spend time with your kids. Just understand Kate Blanchett's great, but enjoy your life. Um, <laughs> Pray, enjoy. It's an awesome action movie. It really brings you back. I mean, almost as good as Alien versus Predator. Almost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jared was glaring at me. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> that is one to see. Barbarian, a very, one of the best horror movies of the year. I love it. Just a lot of layering. Uh, plays with your expectations a lot with the casting, as you alluded to. And yeah, the Northman, a revenge story, but told very eloquently and very deep with a lot of meaning behind it. Uh, this one's a very interesting category for me, though. I think it's either got to be Banshees or everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, there's a reason they were listed one and two. I struggle here. Um, I think we'll probably be able to award banshees later i'm gonna go everything everywhere all at once here because i know i have one where banshees is gonna win and i i feel pretty strong about that i want to make sure everything ever at once gets its due so i'll go everything here but if you want to push back on banshees i i would not hate on that yeah, I mean, there's a definitely a give and take here, but I have no problem with that, man. Just the way it balances, like taking itself seriously, having a good time, and just a lot of tonal shifts very simultaneously within the movie. So I think it's, I think it's a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sir. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick sponsor break. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Breaking news, people. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpets by going to manscaped.com and using the code MMB20 for 20% off and free shipping. Look, I'm a man that knows the importance of a beard. The beard ties the face together like a good rug ties a room together. It's the unifying bridge between chin and scalp. I've yet to see a man's face made worse with a strong beard in my lifetime. 
It's the only facial hair that will never go out of style. It's time to tame your mane because no one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped Pro Beard Kit. All starts with the Beard Hedger. Thing is a beast of fixing faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. There's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse, easier to damage than your hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replete those natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a beard who's brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap off the kit with the Beard Balm Pomade Shape Style Moisturize Tame Your Sculpted Look. Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code MNB20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. All right, coming back, we are in the midst of our season and 2022 movie awards. Moving right along through this thing. Let's do one that's maybe uh, a little less enjoyable, but you need to touch on it. The worst moment and worst movies of the season. Worst moment nominees. Let's get through them. Roman Wilson overturned touchdown into the Kalel Mullings fumble. This is like a twofer right there against TCU. Um <sighs> I don't want to talk about it any more than that. J.J. McCarthy picks six number one versus TCU. The Blake Corum injury. J.J. McCarthy picks six number two. D.J. Turner missed tackle against Quinton Johnson against TCU and the tunnel incident against Michigan State. A lot of TCU moments represented here, and that's going to happen when it's your only loss. Which one's standing out to you? I think it's a two-horse race here between the Corum injury. It kind of gets written a little bit better, though, because you know what happens after the team really weathers the storm. But in the moment, though, felt like our life and season was over. You and I were texting like, anybody but Corum, please, like, we are so close to this. He's so close right. to this moment for himself, was killing. We often forget that. He had over 100 yards of total offense in the first half. Michigan's driving at that point. You're in field goal range no matter what. So gets injured, fumbled, all the momentum, everything is dying at that point. And the other nominee I want to select here and highlight is the Roman Wilson overturned touchdown to the Kalel Mullings fumble because it's the exact possession after the disastrous Philly special fail on the goal line. So now we're in. You think you have a touchdown. We are back in this game. Things are turning around. We're rolling. Nope. Overturned. You thought. And then we're going to run the ball. And the snap is weird. Olu's weird. It goes to Mullings. He fumbles it. And, yeah, I think that was the exact lowest moment of my life because it felt like we might. We're going to lose this game. You're correct in that this is a two horse race like the J.J. McCarthy pick sixes while really egregious like he also came back himself and played extremely well and like did not let those 
you know, determine the rest the way the rest of the game was going to go. So uh, props to him for that. I don't want to like, you know, I, don't, I really don't want to shit on him here with that. The Blake Corm injury beyond his control and the Roman Wilson one feel like both of them. If either one goes the other way, we win TCU, right? Like if we have a healthy Blake Corum, we win. And for sure, if the Roman Wilson touchdown counts, we win. So I think those are probably rightfully your, your one and two there. I have trouble picking which one, honestly, like we were still able to beat Ohio state without Blake Corum. So that counts for something. But I mean, it would have been nice to have them. Who knows what the score would have been? So I don't know, man. Which way you? Leaning? I'm leaning the TCU game with the fumble, just because that was Michigan's only loss. Again, it was a great point of yours that Corm's healthy. You know, win it. That's not an issue. He's running the ball at the goal line on the first possession, on the second possession. Michigan's quickly in control of this thing, but it's got to be this because it was so deflating because you had such a high. I mean. We were fist pumping everywhere. You just feel it collectively. But then it gets taken away, which all it just felt like highway robbery. And then the fumble. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. You've just got to be kidding me. Yeah, I think I felt worse with the Blake Corum injury because, I mean, there's it's too You feel bad there. for the like, kid. We might lose this game. Yeah, we might lose this game. We might lose Ohio State. We might lose the Big Ten Championship. And I freaking love Blake Corum. We all love Blake Corum. You don't want to see that. And that should have been the first thing I mentioned. You know, that's obviously way more important, his long-term health. But I, I'm fine with going with uh, the Roman Wilson overturned touchdown here because of how well we responded with the Blake Corum injury there. And he was still on the sideline being a great leader. No one expected anything other than that. So, yeah, let's give it to the Roman Wilson overturned touchdown because of what it led to. And just like the Academy Awards and Movie Awards, sometimes you need to look at culturally what did it mean for the bigger picture and for the bigger picture that one probably yeah. meant more because we definitely still could have beat yeah. tcu without and Corum, the core sure. one there's a silver lining that now he's coming back for a heisman run in 2023 there you go yeah i don't think there's a movie equivalent for that like oh well coppola didn't win for godfather one so we got godfather two <laughs> like there's not really a there's nothing to really compare for that so yeah i'm fine with that uh movie nominees there were some bad movies this year no doubt about it uh thor love and thunder jurassic park dominion amsterdam by david o russell morbius which is laughably bad so laughably bad that it's i don't even think good it at that point <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Black Adam, The Glass Onion, which is maybe controversial, wasn't a horrible movie, but certainly not on the level of Knives Out. And then Moonfall. But Moonfall, I think, knew it was a bad movie. So I don't know about that one either. I, I think this one's got to be in the top. Four yeah, I was going to say we got to quickly remove off like Morbius, Onion, Moonfall, because they, they seem kind of in on it, except for Morbius, where it's just so bad. It's just like I'm having a good time because it's terrible. Right. Um, Amsterdam just felt like David or Russell being like, Hmm, how clever I am. I'm going to write this one. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's like, no, none of it works. It sucks. It's convoluted as always. Like he's just really lost his fastball the last couple years. And speaking of losing your fastball, Thor love and thunder, dear Lord. Oof. Bad. Just bad. Almost unwatchable. Taika Watiti, a guy that both you and I were really high on, seems to have been sucked into the Marvel machine. Uh, really tried to just recycle what he did with Thor Ragnarok, which I really like. I think it's like a Flash Gordon space epic um, that, you know, stands up still. You can still go back and watch that one and enjoy it, even if you don't want to watch the rest of Marvel movies. But Love and Thunder is just regurgitated crap. 
to me, this one is, I mean, you also have to think about expectations. Like I think people thought Thor would be good. They thought Jurassic Park had a chance. Amsterdam's David O. Russell, you know, maybe there was a chance. I saw the trailer for Morbius, like pre COVID. And I was like, that movie's (laughs) going to suck. Mark my words. You can go find the tweet. I tweeted this the second I saw it, like that is going to suck. So that one, go ahead and remove it. Like had no expectations. Amsterdam. Let's go ahead and remove that. I'm not a David O. Russell guy. I think that he's really fallen out of favor. He's got some good movies. Don't get me wrong, but he's really fallen out. I think this is a two horse race, Thor or Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park upset me on a molecular (laughs) level. I know this one hurts you because you love one, you love Michael Crichton, he's your favorite author, and you love Jurassic Park. You yeah. love that they brought back, they're bringing the nostalgia factor, bringing Alan Grant and everybody. You're like, yes, this is giving Jared everything he needs. And then the movie's just bad. Like, there's just no way around. It's just bad. It it devolves into, like, some attempt at a Fast and the Furious or a Bourne movie in the middle, and Chris Pratt's out just kung fu fighting, and there's velociraptors around. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is not Jurassic Park. This is the winner. It's Jurassic Park Dominion. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. Didn't if you have a choice between watching Jurassic uh, Park Dominion or Tar, please just go outside. Like, don't, don't watch either. <laughs> I'm going to eventually watch Tar, too, and then I'll text you about how I my life afterwards. But I, I have to see it. I have to see everything that's nominated every year. Although, like, there's still some I haven't gone back and watched. So maybe this will end up being one of those where I'm like, I know. Yeah, I'll never get the me. time I watched you know, like, Roma I the- back. Oh, that was awesome. Glad I watched that for the cinematic purpose. Good time. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Coach of the Year, Director of the Year. Coaching nominees. This is a strong category for Michigan. So uh, we'll give a game or like a situation to where that coach really shined. So let's go Jesse Minter versus Penn state. Uh, you could go Jesse Minter several games, but we'll go Penn state in this one. Sharon Moore, just a season award. I think for Sharon Moore probably, or you can pick a game uh, Penn state again, probably a good choice for Sharon Moore, 418 rushing yards, Jay Harbaugh season achievement award. I think for what Jake Moody did uh, Steve Klinkscale for Mikey Sainer still and Will Johnson. Jim Harbaugh, overall season award, or Matt Weiss versus Ohio State. What do you think here? This is a tough one. I don't even really have a front runner here. This feels like the most even. It category. is the most even category. And going through the nominees, it's it's really tough for me to like say, separate somebody or try to tear them up. The one I'm leaning to just off the top of my head, though, is Sharon Moore for the season award because it's basically it's out of 14 games, it's 13 weeks of excellence. And you see it positionally with the offensive line being recognized as back-to-back Joe Moore Award winners with his play calling and his more offensive coordinator focus, just the way the team evolved throughout the season, the clutch plays, the double duties he was running, and just how highly talked about he is now. He's the sole guy. And like you understand like the offense really took a leap in 2021 when he got elevated. He came up to help Josh Gaddis, and he took over and was doing it for the now Maryland offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. <laughs> so, no, I think it's got to be Sharon Moore. At least that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, I really like that one. I, the other two let's talk about here is Steve Klinkscale. I think he needs to be mentioned for Mikey Sainris still in particular. And Will Johnson, like maybe Will Johnson was just going to be that regardless. But Mikey Sainris still... 
there's there's just got to be some clink scale DNA involved in that one. And then Jim Harbaugh, which would probably be like the more career award here, like when they uh, gave Jack Palance the Academy Award for uh, City Slickers. And it's like definitely not the best Palance, but we're going to award him here anyway because he needs one. So you could give it to Jim Harbaugh just to award him here. But I think it comes down to clink scale or Sharon Moore. Um, and I'm fine. Sharon Moore with the back to back, you know, Joe Moore Award winners. That's that's tough, man. That is like doing Godfather one, Godfather two. Back Honestly, back, though, if we know? single down a Jim Harbaugh game, what he did to Ryan Day in Columbus, he could be charged for with what he did. The team was so ready, didn't panic when they were down. Mikey and all the, all the sideline Oof. anecdotes are they just knew they were going to out physical Ohio State and wear them down. Like even the Ohio State fans just admit, like maybe we didn't get outplayed, but we got out coached by a mile and coming in there and getting the first win in Columbus since 2000, just instilling that winning mentality after last year, back-to-back wins over Ohio state definitely has a strong argument. He does. Should we save it for next year when we get the third in a row though? And he really heads at. All right. Sharon Moore for this one. I think it's right. Well-deserved. Sharon Moore. All right. Well-deserved. Any of them well-deserved for best director of the year, Steven Spielberg and the Fablemans. Maybe you heard of him. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for everything, everywhere, all at once. Martin McDonough for Banshees, Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick and Jordan Peele for Nope. Kept this one short because I think there were some pretty clear examples here. Pretty strong category here. Not as strong as some of the other ones here. Anything standing Just out for Spielberg, direct? man. We have six decades of this man working. Jaws was six decades ago, and he's still humming at this level. You and I are big Spielberg stands. Spielberg. That's what we should call him. <laughs> Spielberg stands just because of what he's done to cinema, just going for popcorn flicks or just deep art house, like high budget productions. Just He can do everything. So if he got recognized here again for the Fable Men's, which is kind of like, semi-autobiographical it wouldn't surprise me just because he's a master behind the camera sure but this is not in the top eight spielberg movies and i think that's where i think i don't know that i can reward it like it would be like if we just had an okay season with harbaugh and we're like well we haven't given him an award yet we gave harbaugh award for something well deserved or you know he he was our number two there we gave it to sharon moore but it was well deserved i don't know that this is up there I mean, honestly, I think I thought West Side Story was probably a better example of like technical acumen than the Fablemans. So I actually want to go Martin McDonough for Banshees here. That's kind of where I'm leading. I, I'm, I want to make sure that one gets awarded. That one's going to be in my life for a long time. The fact that he just kind of does this as he's he's like making it up as he goes. And it's that beautiful to watch. And you're able to weave in an underlying theme and you're able to really get to these dark places and these comedic places at the same time. I found that very impressive. So I'm going to go. Martin I like McDonough. that. I had to make sure Spielberg had a best director Oscar and wasn't like a Martin Scorsese-esque where he got a, a Oscar for one of his like lower level films, like just, I mean, technically in The Departed. I love The Departed. Don't get me wrong, but Spielberg has two Oscars already. So he's good with that. So there's no achievement yeah. thing. Our third one would be historic. So that would be something to keep an eye on, but I'm with you. I like what Martin McDonough did. It feels good to recognize him because I think most people really think about him more as just a screenwriter, did a lot of plays as a big background in the theater. So to see him recognized as a director with his control of this film and like very difficult to do and write and direct, I think that needs and deserves recognition. 
Yeah, and I want to make sure they get a win or two in here. Spielberg, like, he doesn't need this win on this podcast by two Michigan the, sports fans. Like, I don't. I think he'll be the fine thing. It's like, it. if you have, like, your opinions about Spielberg or Scorsese, it's like, just save them. Like, don't really matter. Like, they've been cranking good things out for yeah. 60 years. They're, they're okay. Remember we were talking the other day, like, man, did you hear what Spielberg said? That uh, he thinks Top Gun Maverick saved movies? And we were kind of debating, like, did it? And then we were like... Are we debating what Steven Spielberg just said about movies? <laughs> like, if he has, like, an opinion on, like, you know, the usage of Split Zone compared to Dumo in Michigan, we can we can get into it. Right. But he's talking about, like, what, who are you and I? It's like, we think we know a little bit. And we're like, we caught ourselves like, no, he's right. No, he's he's right. Yeah. That was worse than our Ben Bredesen moment where we're just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> this, this fucking Steven Spielberg. Oh, sorry for the F-bomb. Remember when we, remember when we called uh, Jake Butt a one-time All-American? That wasn't good. No, we did it when he was on the pod. He's like, this often gets forgotten, but I'm a two-time All-American, guys. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go live in a closet for nine <laughs> gonna years. going to go hop in the bath of the toaster. See ya. <laughs> See ya, buddy. Oh, man. All right, let's take one more commercial break. We'll come back and finish this up. Good people listening to Out of the Blue need to take a moment to shout out our sponsors for this podcast, Home Field Apparel. In case you aren't familiar and you've been living in a cave somewhere in southern Utah, they're a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. Not only is their stuff comfy, but it's officially licensed gear. So you don't need to mess around with some of the imposters that are out there, and they don't mess around with their design selection. The Homefield team studies the history, traditions, and legacy of every school, takes that information, they create thoughtful designs that tell a unique story of each university. Homefield has some brand new Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else. That's just the facts. From t-shirts to hoodies and crewnecks, they have it all, so you can proudly represent the maize and blue wherever you go so if you want some brand new good looking michigan swag head over to homefieldapparel.com and use the michigan 15 for 15 percent off your order that's not just for one item that's the entire order so stock up while you have this offer again that's 15 percent using the promo code michigan15 at homefieldapparel.com all right, coming back, we're getting into the meat of the awards here. Let's go best single game offensive performance and best actor. Nominees for best single game offensive performance. Blake Corum versus UConn, 12 carries, 71 yards, five touchdowns, tying the Michigan single game record. Cornelius Johnson versus Ohio State, four receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy versus Ohio State, 12 for 24, 263, three touchdowns, no picks. Donovan Edwards versus Penn State, 16 carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Blake Corum versus Maryland, 20 for 243 and two touchdowns. Olu Oluwatemi versus Penn State, 418 team rushing yards. Anybody I'm missing. Now you could put the whole offensive line for Penn State. Zenter had an incredible game there. Uh, you could probably pick out, I mean, we, we don't like to mention TCU, but Roman and Ronnie both went over 100 in that game. I think Roman had two touchdowns. I, Ronnie, Ronnie had one or two in that one. That's another one. Maybe Donovan Edwards against Ohio State as well went for over 200 yards rushing very yeah, subtly add, with two big runs. Yeah, add that one. Add but, that one. That should be on the list. But I def I think I have it narrowed down though because I want to value like moment and what it meant to the team at the time. Okay. So I want to narrow it down to Blake Corum versus Maryland, 
surprisingly enough, just because you were at that game and it was very frustrating. It was the opening, opening big 10 game, very sluggish and Corum was just the engine that could just kept on going and going and going and propelled us to victory. But my favorite, my front runner, the one I want to go with, the one that separated the season is JJ McCarthy against Ohio state. Interesting. I had a third one that I thought needed to be touched on here. Part of the apology tour, Cornelius Johnson versus Ohio State. It's true. It's, it's, it's got to be. It's those two. It's those two in that game there because I think they're very simpatico. Like it's that because you can't have one without the other. And just like you and I had had a fun conversation about into Ohio State. If Cade McNamara is the quarterback, is the season the same? And we we're like, I think it is because the team is so heavy on the run, not asking JJ to do a lot. But J.J. had to win this game, and not many quarterbacks could do that. Yeah, I think you're right, and that was where I initially went. But I was like, man, like without C.J. making those plays, and a lot of that was just C.J. The double move, all C.J. Escaping from the tackle initially to break free for, what was it, 50-plus yards after the catch? That was all C.J., like it's this is a tight one, but this is a very tight one. Let's also add on here. You have three touchdowns because he has the throw to Colston Loveland. He has a fourth rushing later on in the game, which broke the game open. All right, let's give it to JJ, because like much like I want to make sure Banshees of insurance is awarded here. I want to make sure JJ gets one. Let's go, JJ. I like it. Yeah, I think that's the right one. But man, CJ, like again, brother. we are sorry, sir. We are sorry. I'm gonna say your wide receiver one entering next season. I am sorry, CJ. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, best movies of the year or best acting performance in a movie of the year: Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick; Colin Farrell, Banshees of Insurin; Brendan Fraser in The Whale; Austin Butler in Elvis; Gross; Daniel Kaluuya in Nope. That's all I've got here. I don't think it's actually a super strong year in both Academy and like acting performances. So this is one of the weaker categories, movie wise. But which way you lean? <laughs> I guess we should specify too. These aren't like the Oscar checklist. Like we put our taste on these. Yeah. This is not the Oscar nominees. This is Andy and Jared's pick of what should be nominated, which is probably more accurate. Honestly, very, we would have had Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal nominated in 2014 for Nightcrawler, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say our boy, Brendan Frazier, because you and I just love Brendan Frazier as a human. Don't watch this movie. Just don't do it. I mean, if you want to support your boy, watch it on mute and do something else, clean the house, because it is dark. It's Darren Aronofsky, so it's dark and depressing. But Frazier's incredible. But again, just be happy. Don't watch this. Um, I I love the duo of Colin Farrell and, uh, and, and Brendan Gleeson in Banshees of Inishir, and I want to recognize right. one of them. Yeah. Incredible. And this is my choice as well. And part of it is the run that Colin Farrell has been on in 2022. He's the penguin in the Batman. He's in Banshees of Insurance, which he's actually nominated for and has a chance to win it. Although Austin Butler and Elvis is currently leading, which I, I don't understand. It's a bad movie. We've already made this mistake. It's another podcast. Um, it's another podcast. We won't get into that. He's also in 13 Lives, a like not very much seen Ron Howard movie that's on Amazon Prime right now about the rescue of those Thai uh, soccer players that were stuck in the cave. True story. Brilliant movie. I've watched it twice already. Very rewatchable. Colin Farrell 
is he's surpassed uh, Matthew McConaughey for me. He's moved into my top like seven favorite actors. He's incredible. And I want to I want to really award him here for an incredible performance in Banshee to go from the penguin to this very vulnerable like he's playing this kind of just dullard in Banshees. I, I think that's like that's a very difficult twist. And then the guy he plays in 13 lives is nothing like either of them. So I don't you know, we're not taking into account all of what he did in 2022, but Colin Farrell, man, is just, he's become the character actor. Honestly, I've got him maybe above Brad Pitt even right now for what he's doing in this stage of his career. Look at this human. I love it, man. Colin Farrell's been on a heater for a while. I mean, good movies, bad movies. Farrell's pretty dependable in them all. I mean, he's hilarious and horrible bosses, and he can be um, super serious and dark in like seven psychopaths as your protagonist. Like there's just a lot of range with him. So I'd love to see him recognized here for this. So it's a very nuanced performance. Just it requires a lot of detail and not a lot of actors could pull it off. Cruz not nominated for Top Gun Maverick, but let's be real. This is nowhere near the best Cruz performance. Cruz is kind of settled into, I'm just going to be Tom Cruise. So that's what you're going to get in those. He's way past the Magnolia, Jerry Maguire stage of his life. Brendan Fraser in The Whale would be awesome. I mean, you and I are about as big of fans of The Mummy as it gets. I mean, your girlfriend is is maybe the only fan bigger than us of The Mummy. So like, I'd be fine just rewarding him for the whale but just retroactively giving it to the mummy like that's really <laughs> what it would be if we gave it to brendan fraser would be like yeah he deserved one for 1999 the mummy i think this is colin farrell he should win it if austin butler wins it i'm gonna be really mad elvis is a bad movie i'm sorry it sucks <laughs> jared's gonna be very upset on the next podcast like how you doing well on my second pack of cigarettes jared it's 9 a.m i know i haven't slept <laughs> Haven't slept. Austin Butler won. They, they they recognized Elvis, which was objectively a bad movie. I'm sorry. It, it was. Oh, not great. Right. Not great. We'll keep it moving, though. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Best single game defensive performance and best actress of the year. All right. Nominees for a game. Yeah, I needed your help with some of these. I had a couple that were right off the bat stand out. Will Johnson versus Purdue, two interceptions. Mikey Sainer still versus Ohio State, the most iconic play of the year. Rod Moore versus Ohio State, just directing traffic. Brilliant, brilliant in that game. And you're only going to pick it up on rewatch. Rod Moore, the ultimate, you only pick him up on rewatch guy. Mike Morris versus Iowa towards the close of that game became dominant. Really, really the pass rush motor showed up towards the end of that game. And Michael Barrett versus Rutgers, who was just all over the place. Didn't he have a, what do you have a pick and uh, like a tackle? For, I don't have the stats. In didn't front he have of two? Didn't he, have, he had uh, a pick six. He had two picks, didn't he? Yeah, Michael Barrett was all picks. over the place. He had two picks Rutgers. and a pick yeah. six. And like Michael Barrett also like kind of becoming worthy of those career accolades. You know, Michael Barrett's been there for a minute. And every year you're just kind of like, oh, Michael Barrett, kind of like this guy. Like just sticks around and does his job. Love Michael Barrett. Ultimate team first kind of player. I love that he came back for the last season. Although he's, he's going to lose his starting job, let's be honest. But he's still going to just add a great rotational depth there. And something we've been missing at the linebacker position. So he's definitely uh, deserving of that. But come on, let's let's keep this simple. Let's not overthink it. Let's think about the most important play of the season, and let's give this to Mikey Sainer still. I'm with you. It's Mikey <laughs> versus OS OSU. I mean, I'd be talked into Will Johnson versus Purdue. Like, you could talk me into that one because, like, that was the most – if you rewatch it – 
that one stands out like almost if we're you know since we're doing the movie podcast like you go back and you rewatch uh, 1976 movies you're like really should rocky win for acting or should robert de niro win this for taxi driver you know like you, you just you look at it the tape speaks for itself and uh you know will johnson incredible versus purdue but that one play and what Rocky ended up meaning to sports movies, movies in general, it means something for all time. It's Mikey versus OSU. Yeah, well, Mikey got beat a few times in this game, but he was so smart at limiting it. I mean, the first play, I mean, it's him coming over in coverage to pick up a Buka, but later on, he st- he shuts down those slant routes. Like, he has a big pass breakup late in the game, right before Ohio State's last score of the game, which is the field goal. So, yeah, he just is incredible, and he's just such an underrated tackler. I think you and I probably more than anybody value secondary tackling, like at the highest level. Oh, yeah. Like, if the secondary oh, can yeah. tackle you and I just immediately say, oh, I love this guy. Wait, so, I mean, I don't want an aside right now. We're cruising in this podcast, but, like, it's very clear that what I value is watching secondary play. What, at this point in your life, is the thing that you're like, oh, this will get Andy Bailey going? Like, what gets you going? Oh, man. This is tough. It's it's probably, right now, it's probably offensive line play. I've been really into the offensive line the last five months and just, like, understanding the nuances and just, this like, splits and pulls and pins and zones and and just everything. But I've also been into defensive rotations at the snap and whether they're going to rotate into, like, cover one or cover six or, like, cover three. There's there's just so much more going on that you don't realize when you watch a game at first and then you go back into it. It's like, Oh yeah, I guess it is a little more complex than just he's open. So it's fun to dig in and just <laughs> understand it at more of like a, a marrow level. Yeah, well, and that's why I ask you about these things is because you're able to watch these games at a level that I'm just not at right now. But you know, that's why you had to watch I, I watch the movies. These... You had to watch the movies. That's why I watch the movies. This baby, <laughs> we got a stew going. <laughs> All right. Best actresses. Not a great category this year, but a strong category. Uh, I did not go with the Academy Award nominees for this one because F them. They're terrible. I'm not going to watch about Leslie. It seems miserable. I've got Michelle Yeoh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Uh, this is where I went off the board. Thuso Mbidu for The Woman King. Great she pronunciation. Has more screen time. She has more screen time than Viola Davis. She is the actual central character. I think she has all the emotional beats in that movie, in a movie I really liked. Uh, yeah, I think she's better than Viola Davis. She should have gotten the nomination there. And, I mean, Viola Davis kind of got screwed on that one. That's a podcast for a different time. Amber Midthunder for Prey. If we were doing, like, breakthrough actress or actor she might win it loved her in that movie wins best game shit right (laughs) kiki palmer for nope and michelle williams for the fable men's i think this is probably got to be michelle yo i'm fine with that again i'm just not going to recognize anything in tar although kate blanchett is great and she's probably going to win the oscars just because that's the oscars do now she's like the, the next Meryl Streep. I'd love to see Michelle Yoke. She's just awesome in this movie. Everything she's doing, just character development, the way she plays it, it's yes, yes, Michelle Yoke. And like, if, are you going to give Kate Blanchett a career award? She has two already. This is going to put her, this is going to tire with Meryl Streep if she wins this. Isn't that correct? That or she's one behind, but it's it's right in that, it's right in that realm with, with, with yeah. uh, best I mean, actresses. And she's awesome. Like, I don't think she is that far behind Meryl Streep, but Meryl Streep is kind of like 
the goat unquestioned. And I don't know that tar is going to be remembered. Like, I just don't know. And, and I think everything everywhere all at once. And Michelle Yeoh's in like, I don't know, five of my top 100 favorite movies. Like she's freaking awesome and has been awesome for 20 years. Like I absolutely love crouching tiger, hidden dragon. She's incredible. Like the fact that she's also doing Kung Fu. Kate Blanchett doesn't know Kung Fu. You can't win it. <laughs> no, can't get this Oscar. You're just cosplaying uh, JK Simmons from whiplash. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. All right. Hell yeah. Michelle, Yeoh, happy with that one. All right. We're getting into the nitty gritty here. Here is the final award. The best moment and best movie of the year. Nominees for best moment. Kalel Mullings, halfback pass versus Ohio State. Mikey Sainristil, pass breakup versus Ohio State. <laughs> CJ, touchdown number one versus Ohio State. CJ, touchdown number two versus Ohio State. Trouble with the snap redemption versus Michigan State. We were there for that. Do you have another nominee? I think it's got to be those. It's really got to be Ohio State because it was the game with the highest stakes at the time. We're not going to talk about TCU. I'm not going to give best moment to a, hey, remember that reverse with uh, Roman Wilson? That was fun. Too bad we lost. <laughs> so not going to give it to there. I'm trying to think of other moments in the Ohio State game. Like the J.J. Uh, quarterback were on the outside was cool with uh, he got the run and fought for like 10 extra yards while defenders were just pushing against him. I also love – in that game, the Donovan Edwards, the first touchdown run to really cement it because, like, that's when it felt like, oh, my God, we're going to do it. We're going to beat them in Columbus after that first touchdown run. Oh, man, this is tough. This is really tough. It's For me, it's between the Mikey pass breakup and the Kaleo Mullings halfback pass because that is still just an absurd play call. You're absolutely right with the final two. We did not give it to Kalel Mullings earlier for best play call. Like this has got to be the one we have to give it to him. Cause there's no way that play escapes our award season without an award. Right. This is going to be hilarious. This is like winning the best actor Oscar and winning the Razzie for worst, worst actor because he got the worst moment for the fumble against TCU. <laughs> but yes. now, now he gets his redemption with the best moment. Didn't that happen? Didn't uh, Holly Berry win the Academy Award for Monsters Ball and also win the Razzie for uh, what's Catwoman? Something like that. Sometimes the Razzies get cute with stuff, though. Just that they're kind of like a Pitchfork magazine, but like the Diet Coke version. They're just like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say this is bad. This is awful. And it's like, you know what's overrated? Pulp Fiction. That's where they go with stupid stuff like that sometimes. <laughs> so it's like, I, yeah. But no, this is an awesome. The Kaleo Bullings, like polar opposite awards for best and worst moment. <laughs> yes. What a season for Kaleo Mullings. Basically like what it's like to huff gasoline for a hobby. <laughs> I mean, talk about ups and downs. The man had them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, when you initially huff gasoline, what a high. But <laughs> Let me tell you what it's like 30 to 40 minutes later. It's not great. And that's what it was like when he fumbled on the goal line. So, yeah, this is Kalel Mullings. He needs to be rewarded here. And, like, look, when it's all said and done, I think that's what will be remembered. We remember the Ohio State games more than we do the bowl games. And granted, that bowl game was a playoff game. So we'll see how that one ages. But the Kalel Mullings halfback pass, man, I, I think we've got to give it to that there. That was it, it still is surreal. Like rewatching the game now, like you forget it's coming and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. They handed it off and ran it and threw it to him. It's it's unbelievable. It has to have its moment here. 
Yeah, it's like the barbarian shift or like the um what not the gone girl. Yeah, the gone girl shift it's like, where it's just like, I'm sorry, what happened in this movie? Like a dramatic shift. Where, dramatic where shift. am I right now? Like that happened that I just like looked at you in the basement like is is this allowed? Like what is going on? <laughs> I it really broke my brain. Yes, absolutely, man. All right, so nominees for best movie of the year. This this actually is a really strong category. Like I said, good movie year, not a great Academy Award year, but if you're digging deep, some real good selections here. Top two, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar 2, not digging deep there. Huge box office success. Most of you listening to this probably saw one, if not both, both of those. Banshees of Inshirin and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Going to be Oscar darlings, both really good, I think think above like your average Oscar fare, like these are going to be revisited for me. So I would say elevates this year as an Academy Award year, just from these two. Uh, let's throw Megan in there, which was a really widely loved uh, horror movie that I did not see, but a lot of people seem to stand for. Wakanda Forever was a big cultural piece, like meant a lot, uh, probably, you know, one of the better, eh, an okay Marvel entry. Triple uh, R, and pray anything else that we need to add for movie of the year. Oh yeah. If this like is, if this is our fun. list, let's get rid of Megan and Wakanda forever and let's put barbarian and Nope on there. There you go. I agree. <laughs> this is our I list. Mean, I like those more. I'm trying. Exactly. I'm trying to speak to the audience a little bit. I know Megan people watched a lot of, a lot of people saw Wakanda forever, but yeah, barbarian's a better movie. than. Is it Megan about sure. like a doll? I think it's about a doll that becomes possessed or like, I don't sentient. Know. No, no, it's, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like a robot doll that murders people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that should be on there for best movie of the year. It wasn't going to win, but yeah, I'm happy <laughs> to remove that and put Barbarian and Nope on there. I like that. So we've got Top Gun, Maverick, Avatar Two, Banshees, Everything Everywhere at Once, Triple R, Prey, Barbarian, and Nope. Uh, you could throw the Northman on there, but that's not going to win. So, um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and remove Avatar 2. I'm going to go ahead and remove Barbarian, Nope, and Prey. Yep, that's good. Yep, so we're down to Top Gun Maverick, Banshees of Inchirian, Everything, Everywhere at Once, or Triple R. Uh, we already awarded Top Gun Maverick. I don't think it's as great of a movie. Like, it was a cinematic event. You had to go see it in theaters. It brought people back to the theaters. What it meant was great. I don't know that this is going to be in my life forever. I, I just don't. I, I don't think so for me as well. Gr a great movie. Probably, you know, fired up with the family, sitting around eating pizza one day. But, like, it's not going to be something I revisit frequently go ahead and tell you my my favorite movie of the year and what mine would be here would be everything everywhere all at once that would be mine to me it's between that and banshees of insurance i don't really think there's much of an argument i think the academy will probably be deciding between these two and maybe tar uh because of how that's just how the academy works uh but banshees and everything everywhere these are what they should be looking at these are what you should be looking at if you like movies but also want to be entertained yeah. Like you won't hate your life after watching either of these. You'll enjoy yourself. Banshees is like dark, mm -hmm. but like it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of really good movies that are dark. If you like Taxi Driver, that's pretty dark. The Departed, one of my all-time favorite movies, pretty dark ending. Yeah, the you know, Dark like, Knight is kind of dark. Like if we're just talking about yeah. different shades here, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of great movies don't end with like a super positive note. So I'm not going to remove Banshees because it really devolves into like some darkness there. 
this is tough, man. This is tough. Tell me where you're going. Cause I literally have been thinking about this for two weeks Except, to, or well, since I saw everything ever at once, which was two days ago, I don't know yet. That's where I yet. lean. I lean. I've had a lot more time to sit with it though. Cause I saw it uh, about a month and a half ago and it just stuck with me because like, it, I, I love eighties movies. I love the feel of it. I love the complexity of the tones, the shifts, the creativity, uh, I understand the love for Banshees. I like I love both movies, but just for me personally, like on our podcast, I'm taking that one. I'm with you. That's the winner. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's about to clean up at the Academy Awards. It might win Best Picture, which would be absolutely astounding because it has a dildo fight and hot dog fingers in it. And if a movie that gonzo somehow comes out and win, like wins over the Academy Award, which is just a bunch of white-haired or bald old white men, really. Like, this is not the group of people that you would expect to tune into a genre picture about kung fu and traveling through universes and just infinite possibilities. Like, it might win, and I think it should win. Like, it literally brought me close to tears, and the only other thing that's done that is Ohio State victories. It, it it deserves it deserves its time in the in the sun, and I'm fine with that. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's go. I love it, man. It's just so it's a fun year to have a movie that enjoyable, that available, so everyone can see it and kind of be a part of be a part of it. Like the, I know the Academy Awards have lost some steam, and like don't mean as much as they used to, but it would still be so cool to see a movie like that take home Best Picture. When you had previous years when there was like Nomad Land and The Power of the Dog, which no one has talked about since this came out. It sucked. Yeah, it sucked. not good. It terrible. And like, I force myself through a lot of these movies every single year. I'm like, all right, it was nominated. I've got to see it. And sometimes you're like, oh, I'm really glad I went and checked that out. I wouldn't have checked that out. But normally I'm like, this movie is miserable. And this is for people that hate their lives. That's a lot of the Academy Awards. So like to have movies that I enjoyed will revisit kind of leave you thinking about it and like well definitely both with banshees and everything everywhere i thought about them for days after everything everywhere is still on my mind i'm probably gonna rewatch it tonight like it's that good so great movie year and i think those are really the pinnacle of this movie year they set themselves apart and i am totally fine giving it to everything everywhere all at once uh we're about to close this out but a couple oscar predictions any like surprises who do you think wins a lot of these um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Brendan Frazier pull the upset in that category. I know he's been discussed and he's kind of been one of the names really floating around. I could see it just cause he's such an awesome person and just, uh, this is such a drastic change in role for him. I think everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once could clean house. I think it could be a big run, like an eight, nine kind of Academy award night. Like yeah, you see the, the technical ones early, um, is, I don't know, is Nope nominated for cinematography? I'm not positive about that. It should be. Jordan Peele is one of our best directors right now. He's absolutely like just one of the best guys that we have going. He's like a season ticket guy for me. Whenever he puts something out, I'm going to go see it. And he's one of the few guys that is able to do this, like write his own thing, create his own thing. Him and Martin McDonough. That's why I love this movie year is you get these movies that are like, hey, I'm doing something a little bit different and uh, it's going to go out. It's going to have big actors in it and whether or not people respond to it. I'm doing it regardless. I love that. And we need Jordan Peele's in this role. Have to have him. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Hoyt is not nominated for cinematography, but my, uh, Roger Deakins is. So bet on Deakins. It's always a safe one there. Uh, did uh, Sam Mendy's movie that nobody saw, but it's whatever. Glad he's still out there making them. Uh, do you have any predictions? 
Uh, I think Kihi Kwan is a lock for best supporting actor for everything ever all at once. If you don't know, that is data and short round data from the Goonies short round from the um, poorly aged Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. Movie but sucks. He's, Movie's not good. <laughs> Keep going. I'm not quite that anti as you are, but uh, he, he was a huge part of my childhood. I watched True. the Goonies and Temple of Doom a million times, and then I didn't see this kid until he was a 50-year-old man in this movie, and he blew me away. That guy's going to win it. I think you're right. Everything Everywhere is going to clean up. I'd be very upset if Austin Butler wins Best Actor. I think he might, though. Not a good movie. It's the worst Tom Hanks I've ever seen in my entire life. It made me... It took him down a peg. I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) I was like... I was like, Hanks is already where he's at. He can't go down. He went down a peg with that movie. It is bad. And it's three and a half hours long. What are we doing? <laughs> Would you rather hang out with Austin Butler doing an Elvis accent or Cade McNamara where he constantly refers to JJ as just the other guy the whole time? Oh, <laughs> I'll go Hanks because of what he did outside of that. Like Cade doesn't have quite the resume of Tom freaking Hanks. I said Austin so Butler, Austin Butler. Oh, it's Butler? Yeah. Yeah, then give me Cade. Cade beat Ohio State. <laughs> Austin Butler has not beaten Ohio State. That's facts, man. That's the right answer. <laughs> I'm with you, man. This was fun, man. I really enjoyed doing these. I know these podcasts won't be for everyone because we kind of branch away from the Michigan stuff here, but I enjoy the hell out of this, man. This is this is always great. And you and I like talk about movies throughout the year. Not as much as we talk about Michigan athletics, but it's right there. That's the second thing. I'll text you about a Michigan story situation, play, game, and then it's a movie that I saw. So this is like a great, great one for us. Maybe this one is one for us, but we'd love to hear your feedback on this one. Honestly, this is one like, should we keep doing this? Is this something that you like? Should we just stick to our lane? We probably (laughs) won't listen to you if you tell us because... That's just how we are, but we do want your feedback on this. Absolutely. And this, I I love this podcast because it's the end of the movie year. Technically it's the end of the Michigan 2022 year. Now we're, it's everything 2023 from here. We have the spring game in a few weeks. Everything is looking forward. Now we've been looking back for two months, really just putting a bow on the season that was now it's time to look ahead at the season that's coming. So that's all behind us. Final awards are done. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's well put. And I mean, we'll still continue to talk about last season. We have a couple podcasts where we'll go back a little bit, but this is kind of the turn the page moment for us where we're like, yep, pretty good. Like, actually, I will say really good movie year. Excellent, excellent football year. Excellent football year. There's no way you can say anything other about other about. I mean, obviously, we should have won the Natty, but I mean, it'd be like if, uh, you know, you you weren't expecting to even have a successful movie like everything ever all at once is the perfect comp for this season. Like we didn't know it was going to be this good. We thought it'd be pretty good. But to be like in the playoffs, undefeated, beat Ohio State twice in a row in their house, like it's it, it is a memorable memorable year and i'm glad we can commemorate it with something like this yeah being 13 and 0 13 and 0 like this doesn't happen every so often Stupid. like the end of it like it fell a little flat kind of like the movie nope for me you know it fell a little flat there towards the back yeah. half but it ambitious took a lot of swings ton of highs and i think the next one's going to be even better Absolutely, brother. This was a lot of fun. That's going to do it for us here. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. I believe this is our last podcast where we will be 
on the um, SB Nation feed, so make sure that you're subscribed. We have no idea. Yes, I don't know. We're going to keep putting work. out pods somewhere. You'll get them. I just work here. <laughs> That's brother. all we do. I'm just gonna, we're just going to keep showing up at potting, but things are about to change. We'll be the Block M Podcast Network soon. Uh, we are officially, I guess we can announce it now. We're going video here soon. We will be on YouTube, probably not next week, but I imagine by the week after that. So we will uh, detail that next week, but things are happening for us here. My brother, this was a pleasure. Thank you for doing this for me. I know that uh, you've got more going on. I mean, I've been a single man, unemployed for two months, traveling the world. I've uh, had a lot of plane rides, plane flights to, to catch up on these movies. I know it was a bit of a struggle for you, but thank you for doing this with me. Of course, man. You're kind of like Jules from Pulp Fiction. Uh, just, you know. Walking the earth. That's what you're doing right now. Getting a new adventure. So always a pleasure to chat movies. All right, brother. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. This is out of the blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go.